Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today I'm excited to talk to T.M. Rowell about Never Name the Dead. Hello, Donna. Hi there, Dan. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? Oh, great. Will you give us an idea of why the book is called Never Name the Dead? Never Name the Dead actually comes from um, death in the Kiowa culture. I The book is just full of a lot of the Kiowa culture, history, and traditions. And within the Kiowa tradition, when someone dies, we don't say their name. We believe that that holds their spirit back from moving on to the next next step in, in death, life. <laughs> so never name the dead comes from our, our um, tradition of not holding the spirit back from the de- from moving on. I loved that. I, it reminded me of something from my childhood that women who were very far along in their pregnancies would not go to funerals because they didn't want the spirit to be attached to their unborn child. So it, it, was, it was something I hadn't thought of since I was a little boy. And I was thinking, oh, wow, you know, it's unique how each of us have a different tradition. Yes. And that is one of the things that you do so deliciously in this book. You teach us about the Kiowa people and their traditions. Where do the where is the Kiowa Nation at? We're located in Oklahoma. Um, kind of, we're in. A, we used to be most of the state, but uh, of course. <laughs> Uh, Kiowas are unique. Kiowas and the Comanches actually were some of the last couple tribes put on reservations because most of the tribes were being put into Oklahoma. Nobody wanted it originally. Kiowas and the Comanches were already there. So it was kind of our homelands. And we ended up being put on a reservation that consists of our homelands. And it's actually nice in that I got to walk the lands that two, three, four generations back have walked. And a lot of our history and culture and traditions deal with the, the mountains in the area that I grew up with. And I try to bring that into the book quite a bit. I, you know, one of my goals, is, I, I've always wanted to write a murder mystery. Ah. Uh, but one of my goals was to bring in and make people more aware of the Kiowa tribe. Um, my grandfather was a Kiowa historian. He was a recognized tribal elder. And by that, that means that the tribe actually had a ceremony recognizing him as keeping, um, keeping our history. He was the one everyone went to for our historical facts. And uh, he, we had these deerskin calendars and grandpa would get roll those out and they're pictoglyphs. And each one represents one um, thing that occurred during that year, but it was something so significant everyone in the tribe would know it. So grandpa would recite the story of that one significant event. And someone else in the tribe would say, oh, my grandmother told me about that. That's the year such and such happened. And there'd be a whole evening of recited stories all linked together. So grandpa, as the historian, started the stories that reminded us that we are a united people with a shared history. Uh, 
And one morning after he's rolling his calendar up, I was about 12 and I can remember, I always, the poor man, I followed him around. <laughs> I love that. I love uh, that. But he's rolling the calendar up and I'm watching him put it away and he's doing his blessings with it. And he looks up and he goes, I'm not, you know, who's going to carry these stories next? And he looks at me and he, you know, um, the old ones didn't point. They, they used their chin and, and he looked at me and he used his chin and he said, you, you're the next ones to keep these stories alive. And so I feel like I've had that responsibility since I was 12. And writing murder mysteries, as strange as it sounds, is a great way of sharing information about the Kiowa culture. It is. And I think with a murder mystery, you sort of get to do it almost as an aside or through the back door. Because what we get to see as the reader, we get to experience the characters that you bring to us. And by that, you bring to us characters with different colors and different um, ways of life and the things they think of. And as a reader, we get to absorb that without it being a history lesson. Exactly. Exactly. It's just another American story. It is indeed. And I think that that's an important thing to, to point out, that it's just another part of our shared culture that we all should be aware of. Um, yeah. You and I have talked a little bit about there's a whole lot of rewriting of history and, and finding the parts that only suit the, one particular narrative. And <laughs> I have shared, we've shared together how very important it is for us to see all of our histories, because all of our histories is what makes us a fabulous people or hopefully a fabulous people anyway. <laughs> well, fabulous people as well as smart because yes. without history, we don't learn to not make the same mistakes. Oh, hello. That is so true. That is yeah. so very true. Uh, and yeah. I, also, I also think that we have a responsibility. Now I'm taking on a big we here in inclusion. So if I don't know your history, it's important for me to learn your history in the same way so we can understand what's going on, what's really going on. Exactly. So, Tell us about May slash mud and what, and I, I do want to ask, um, do you find that people with a more traditional name like mud take what I might call a city name, if you'll forgive that way of referencing it? I do think being country folk, which <laughs> I both are. Yes. There are some names <laughs> that we have. <laughs> Uh, I can remember a couple times looking and thinking, who who are who are they calling? Who is who's Virginia? And suddenly realizing, oh, that's my aunt. That's her real name. <laughs> I have several family members like that, so I recognize that, Donna. <laughs> yes. So so it was just natural for me to think about my character having a name, and it's it's funny is. The two names I chose, so my book really honors and brings out a lot of the Kiowa culture, which is my dad's side of the family. And, you know, I very much love both sides of my, my family. So when I decided on my character's name, the first thing I decided on was I wanted to name her May. My mom's middle name is May. So oh, I wanted nice. to bring in that side of my family into my stories and have it blended. And then funny enough is my mother's mother, my grandmother on my mother's side, her sister, her family referred to her as mud. 
So I can remember being like this seven, eight year old girl playing in the, you know, on the floor at my grandmother's house and her sisters being there and they're calling her, you know, saying mud this or mud, let's do that. I never knew the source of her name mud, but it's mud sticks to you. (laughs) (laughs) And in the, for all, all these, you know, I'm 60 some odd years old now. So 50 some odd years later, her name still resonated with me. And again, it may and mud brought in that side in my family and balanced my book. I and love that, Donna. That is so, that's a nice honor for your mom. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. And it's I so much I owe to, well, both my parents. I, I'm very lucky. You know, my, my dad was a man that made sure his family had food on the table because he came up very poor when there wasn't food on the table consistently. Mm-hmm. My mom, they both sacrificed, but one of the biggest things my mom did was she made a point to take us to libraries. Libraries nice. are such critical buildings and components of any society. It opened the world to me. Otherwise, in Oklahoma, in a very small town, Oklahoma, in what had been reservation area, you don't know what else is out there in the world. And books opened the world to me. Oh, I love that. I I had a teacher in the third grade who forced us to read, I will say, because my mom wasn't a big library person. But the third grade teacher said, the children will read this, this, and this, and in this order. So I had to read. And it gave me such a love of reading because I did the same thing. I discovered there was an entire world out there, especially with adventure, because I've always liked mystery books. So Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, and then later Agatha Christie. It opens up a world to us that we don't always see because of our current situation right here. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So Mud gets a call from her grandfather, and that brings her back to Oklahoma because she, like you, is a California girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was born in Oklahoma, escaped to California for a career. (laughs) <laughs> fell in love and stayed you know, oh, once you, once you get your family that. roots this is where it is but I go home as often as I can oh. but yeah, when I started writing this it's kind of funny Is as I mentioned I've always wanted to write murder mysteries but I didn't believe in myself and then to be honest I had to make a living I, you know mm-hmm. you have a background of, you know, I've watched my grandparents suffer in retirement. I knew I did not want to do that. And so I started working in Silicon Valleys for 30 plus some odd years. Um, And it's funny is I didn't very much similar to my May Mud character. I told stories for corporations. I fell into marketing and found that was natural for me because yeah, I am from a culture of storytellers. <laughs> so it wasn't until um, just about retiring and then COVID hit that, you know, my wife, you know, I'm t- trying to decide what to do. I was going to take some classes and I thought, oh, maybe I'll finally just finish my master's in marketing, video development, something like that. And she looked at me and she goes, what is it in life you've always wanted to do and you haven't done yet? And, I, and without hesitation, I said, write a murder mystery. And she looked at me and she goes, go do that. Precisely. So I, I took a class from um, UC San Diego, all online. All right. Found a wonderful instructor, Carolyn Wheat. Oh, 
she got the words out of me and onto paper and just, you know, it's all history from there. I can't believe it became a book. <laughs> I love that. And what a loving thing that your wife gave you. I mean, that's that that's loving wisdom right there. That's that's an amazing gift. Yeah. And it is a great thing because I think you and I took a route very similar. I realized that if I wanted to leave rural North Carolina, I was going to have to do something different. Yes. And then, you know, putting food on the table and being able to travel, that became very important to me. And yeah. we put it aside things. So I'm so proud of you for coming back to a dream of yours and making that a reality. Yeah. And so lucky that I, in life to choose a partner that bolsters you. And that's what we should do with whoever we spend our life with. I've been very lucky. Oh, I love that. So now that leads me naturally into talking about two characters in your book, the cousins. So one of the things that I love so much was the interaction between Mud and Denny. Yes. They're, they have a love and a support for each other. Um, did you find those easy to write? Was that a homecoming for you or what was that like? Oh, I like that expression. I hadn't heard it, but you're right. It was a homecoming for me. I, it was, I was able to put into Denny a lot of the emotions I feel for my family in Oklahoma. Um, and he became kind of the character, my family character. You know, he's a little bit of everybody that I love. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's something that um, is said in the book that is not giving away anything. You know, how those of us who leave where we grew up to go somewhere else, how we are perceived, how we perceive ourselves and how others perceive us. Because some people feel like they're being left behind, whereas that might not have been our intent. Um, do you find that to be the case? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then the understanding, of, you know, it's nice when you get to that point, you visit often enough, you, or more importantly, you stay in contact yes. often enough, where they recognize that you didn't leave them behind. You just went off to find yourself. And the more complete you, the better you are for them as well, either as a cousin, a family member, a friend, in all aspects. It's, it's wonderful to go home and just like a good friendship, it picks up exactly where you left it. Absolutely. It's just as if sometimes it's 10 years and it feels like it's just yesterday. Absolutely. But I do have to say, texting the phone, those technology, you know, I remember as a kid, it was a once a month phone call when we lived in California and my dad calling back home because it was so expensive. You know, now I'm the only one here in California and I do a, a daily call into California and multiple texts because I get to stay more in contact that way. It allows me to be more involved in not necessarily daily happenings, but at least daily life. Yes, yes. And, and you do get a chance to, if you need to take a break, you take a break, but you get a chance to experience what's going on in your family. And yeah. that only makes... I'm more blessed by doing that. And I know you are as well. Yeah. Yeah. Technology is a blessing and a curse. And you can <laughs> decide which direction we want it to be. And for me, I'm playing on the blessed side. <laughs> I, so am I, daughter. But, you know, there are days where I have to take a break 
and yeah. say, you know, if I want to live and do well, I'm going to have to take a little break from all of this, you know. And that's another nice thing, you know, to be able to do that and to do it with love and wisdom and not be not yeah. be angry about it. Yeah. And that's one of the things I try to have my character Mud do is she's essentially on a quest, though she doesn't know it initially, but it's her getting back in touch with herself, mm -hmm. taking the time for introspection. And I'm sure my nieces, nephews, great nieces and nephews are so tired of me always talking to them about unplug and yes. take moments to be with your own thoughts. Absolutely. And that is, you just keep leading me into all the things I want to talk about with you, Donna. This is, it's a perfect symbiosis. So one of the things that I find for myself that is so important is I need to not only unplug, but I need to plug into nature. And yeah. that is something that in Never Name the Dead becomes, it's, it's almost like its own character because the land and the animals and the atmosphere become a character. Um, is that an important tradition? Absolutely. And I, I am so pleased that you've picked up on so many little things that I felt very important to put into the story. And I'm, you're, as an author, you don't know how it will come across. But the nature, being back into Oklahoma or Kiowa country is another character. And I wanted it to be as a character. And I wanted it to be this significant finding of mud that she needs this in her life she needs this character she needs this grounding to be whole uh, I, you're the perfect reader dan <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because when i met you in person i had said to you that i have a a, a long to be read list a very long to be read list and i was actually reading another book when yours was sitting on the coffee table and said you will read me now <laughs> and I'm, I'm funny about that because I do think that I I try to plug into nature and yeah. spirit and atmosphere. And I did put the book down and picked yours up and read it in two days. And it was important to read it because I needed in that moment in life, I needed to be reminded that there are other people who understand how important it is to plug into nature. Yeah. So yeah. you, you spoke to me, Donna. I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Have, living and making my career in technology, it's important for all of us to find that balance. Yes. And that's one of the important sub topics within my <laughs> so now i want to go in a completely different direction and and make a comment that is intended to be funny and uh so i want to share with you that gerald is an asshole and i recognize that gerald is an asshole so it's because i think for anyone listening to this your book speaks so much about nature and love and finding itself but there are a lot of other people in this book that aren't of that same mind and there is Gerald. So I loved Gerald in his own way. <laughs> it is a reflection of the world. <laughs> I, I totally agree because I in Gerald I saw so many people I know in the business world. So I said, okay, I, I see you. I recognize you as well. <laughs> I do really appreciate you. <laughs> so 
you have a second book that's coming out. Is that this is intended to be a four part? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And as you noticed, um, it's a what I call a brisk mystery, and by that it's less than twenty four hours. So I'm really trying to get May Mud to go on a four day vision quest. Gotcha. What you just read is her first day of the vision quest, kind of the <laughs> kickoff to it. Book two starts literally 10 minutes later. Oh, wow. And it will go through her night and into the second day. Um, book three, the third day, and book four, the fourth day, where hopefully she finds herself and finds a balancing point for her two worlds. But yeah, book two is um, to do back to the editor tomorrow. Oh, um, I hear the that it's coming out uh, probably around this time next year. I'm hoping to get a date in the next week. Um, the title is Silent Are the Dead. Oh, nice. I yes. like that. Yes. You're going to put her through a whole lot of uh, changes uh, in 24 hours. That was something that um, I do want to ask. Was that difficult? Was that exciting? Is it easier? Because because I did realize it took place in one day and that's that's a swift read. But how is that as an author? I actually it happened very naturally and organically. I loved it. Um, the whole time I was writing this book, there's a drum beat in my head and there's a rhythm I kept all the way through. And I, I needed that to get her through those 18 hours. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, sometimes that drum might slow slightly because you need, you need to take a breath. You need to look around. And then there's the other times of where it just speeds up and you're on a ride. <laughs> well, and it, it is true. The pacing is wonderful. It made it a page turner because, you know, it, it, it kept me wondering what was going to happen next. Oh, good. You know, and there were mysteries that we haven't talked about, but there, there are things that, uh, crop up in the book that as the reader, we simply don't know what the outcome's going to be. And it makes, you know, of course it made me want to read more and more and more. <laughs> uh, perfect. My Saturday afternoon cliffhanger <laughs> experience. <laughs> it has worked. I'm looking forward to the next day in Mud's life. Um, and that will be out next year. Yes. is Wonderful. As soon as I get a date, I'll make sure to email that to you. Please, I would love that. Donna, do you have a social media or website that you'd like to share? Yes, I'm both. I do Twitter. I'm, I'm not as consistent on social media as I promised myself I'm going to be. <laughs> but I do have a Twitter handle. It's at author, And then um, I have a face or a website, www.dmrowell, that's R-O-W-E-L-L.com. And I'm on Facebook, which I think links over, and I'm not even going to try and find. <laughs> well, from your website, people can find you. And I also, before we uh, wind this up, I do want to ask you about uh, your documentary that you oh. shot. And is that, can they find a link to that on your website? There's a link to the trailer. I'm working to, on developing a link to the full-length uh, documentary. It's a 64-minute piece. Thanks, thanks for bringing it up. I spent over 10, 12 years taking cameras into the tribe and recording the elders for, with our stories. I wanted, 
Growing up, hearing the stories told by a Kiowa elder, there is nothing more magical. There is a music to their accent and the way they tell stories. And I wanted to capture as much as that as possible. So Vanishing Link actually um, starts the first stories that any Kiowa child should know. And that's what I tried to put into Vanishing Link. Oh my goodness. Well, if Never Named the Dead is not enough, which it will never be enough, then there's Vanishing Link as well. Oh, if I may mention one more place, yes. if you go to www.kiwapeople.com, you'll find some Kiowa language videos, as well as a little 20-minute piece on um, Kiowa elders learning the language directly from their grandparents and parents. I had the privilege just before COVID to go and interview the last of our native speakers. Oh, wow. And as they talked to me and we talked about the language, there was there's, it's really hard to try and, and make lessons of our language, but I tried to have them speak in Kiowa as much as possible and then I made, took that away, edited it, and tried to make lessons out of it. And you'll find that at www.kiwapeople.com. Several videos there of our, and you can hear natives speaking our language. It is a wonderful treat. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I'll also, once we're out, I'll also link up as many of those places as possible. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Donna, for being a wonderful guest and, and bringing us such a wonderful book. I enjoyed both. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.